Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to take your parish from maintenance to mission. This week, we're picking up the next part of our conversation with Dominic Aneu. Here's a guy who has a destiny for you, um, based on those scriptures I mentioned earlier, and he wants you to find it. And you just need to find it. And he, he, he's really working to help you find it. Um, so that's kind of the approach we take there uh, into those high schools. And what's, what's some of the responses? I mean, I, I would, it, it doesn't sound radical for me. If, if you came in and spoke to me about these things, I would sort of say, yes, like I understand these, these are, these are the, the, the reality that I live. But for some of the youth that you're talking to, this is a, this is a radical idea. So what are some of the responses and, what, and what's both good and bad and what's some of the fruit that you've seen from that particular, uh, from that particular work? Um, the typical response is, I, ha- I had no idea. You know, I, I had no idea he had a plan, a destiny. I'm God's workmanship cr- created beforehand, St. Paul says, to do good works, created beforehand. Um, um, they, they just had no idea. But um, the other thing is, they, you know, we try to unveil for them this idea that, like, we know where you are right now. And, th- and this is just working with these kids and thousands of them for all these years. They believe so many incorrect things about themselves. Mm. I don't have what it takes to succeed. I'm not good enough. Uh, I, I'm unlovable. I said a whole bunch of these lies. It leads to a bunch of negative emotions. Those negative emotions, fear, jealousy, anger, depression, whatever, leads to um, um, a lot of negative behaviors. Drinking, drugging, cutting. Even in our youth group, we've dealt with kids that are cutting. Mm. Um, uh, you know, obviously the sexual issues that they're getting involved in. And just, just the idea that they're afraid to take a chance, that they're frozen in their spot, that they don't think that they can succeed. And if they do succeed, they don't believe it's really happening to them. They're just waiting for wrong things to happen. This is the mentality that we have learned from working with kids one-on-one. Wow. And what we want to try to do in those sessions is, is kind of say, hey, you know what? The, the, the truth will set you free. Mm. And Jesus is the truth. And, that, and, and he came to, to set the, the captives free and give a f- liberty to those that are oppressed. And many of you in this room today are oppressed by lies and negative emotions and negative behaviors or just that inability to move forward and take that chance and take that risk and get out of your comfort zone. So you come out of a session like that. And obviously we use a lot of media. We use movie clips. It's not just me talking the whole time. Um, You come out of a session like that. It's like, I had no clue. This was life changing. And this is my favorite part. I love when the teachers come because about 5% of them go to mass and, you know, they're kind of looking at me with kind of, you know, not, you know, the best kind of, um, uh, eyes. Um, so I love when some of them come to me after the talk and say, Hey man, I don't know what it did to these kids, but you just changed my life. I had no clue that Jesus could do this for me. But you know, here's the thing that astounds me and I shouldn't be astounded. I shouldn't be shocked is how do we keep messing this up? That we, we, that what you're describing is, is, is the kerygma, the basic pro- gospel yeah, proclamation yeah. that yeah. that how have we failed so deeply to articulate this key part of the message, which the church itself teaches us. It's, it says in the Aparecida document that without the kerygma being proclaimed and received and responded to, all the, our other efforts are condemned, quote, condemned to sterility because hearts are not truly converted. This is what we teach. This is what we believe, but we fail to do it again and again and again. 
Um, now, I already know the answer to the question I just asked, uh, but what would you say about that? What's, what's your answer? Why do we keep getting this wrong? Why do we keep messing it up? And why do we fail so often to articulate this, this, this beginning point of the Christian message? You know, I, I, I think, um, uh, you know, one of the biggest lessons we've learned here uh, using the, the three-legged stool um, model for us it, here in this community anyway, to form a, a child, it, it takes the home, it, it takes the church, and it, and it takes the school. And the, the, the thing we've learned here is that every single one of those stools has been under attack. Mm. Uh, every single one of those stools, like so, or, or those legs, sorry, have been under attack. Uh, every single one of them from a maturity of faith perspective or a maturity of spirituality perspective has been significantly weakened. Um, so what we're trying to do, I can't do much about the schools here in this, in this community because they're funded by the government. So, you know, the fact that I can make a connection with a, with a chaplain or a principal and they let, it, let me in, which it's just amazing. It's remarkable. But I, I can do something with my parish and I can do something, uh, you know, to try, to try to kind of get a message into the homes of these children as well. So, I mean, I think obviously, Father, uh, we know for a fact that we are fighting a Goliath in the culture a Goliath in the media, and it's impacted every single one of those three legs of that stool. Mm. And the only thing I can think of is, like Mother Teresa said, one drop of water in that bucket at a time. We're going to do one kid at a time. We're going to do one high school at a time. We're going to get one teacher at a time, and hopefully we can start some type of, 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 of movement and trend there. I, I just would like to say well, one, one more thing. I know I'm kind of hogging the mic here, but... Um, you know, in our struggles working with parishes that, that have schools attached, we've often said, you know, to, to look at what what's your basic presumption about the relationship of a parish to the school. Is the starting presumption that the school is the parish or is the presumption that the school is a mission field of the parish? And I, and I think that too many parishes have still have a traditional understanding that the school is the parish. And that's nothing but a source of frustration for them because there's a huge lived disconnect between the school and, and the parish. However, if you flip it and begin to look at it as a, as a mission field that's on your doorstep that has an open door. Now, some doors might be more widely open than others, but there's a degree of an open door. Then in one sense, it is a, a phenomenal opportunity for evangelization if we get it right, if we see it for what it is, and if we respond accordingly. But my work with priests, um, when, I, when I talk to pastors who have schools, the pressure often on them is to continue to do what's been done for the last 20 years. The priest comes into the school four times a year and does a mass for 800 teenagers, most of, many of whom are not even nominally Catholic, never, mean, n- never mind not, not practicing or not people of faith. And here we are doing mass. That mm-hmm. seems to me absolutely preposterous. We should have mass in the school, but for those who want to come, don't make right. everyone go. Right. If right. you want to make someone go to a, a, a church thing, make them go to something like you do. Make, some, make them go to yeah. something that's evangelistic. That seems to be a much more uh, appropriate, not just appropriate, but, but um, such a great opportunity um, to, to, to work with Catholic schools. When we get these opportunities, Father... Uh, we, we are really good at sacramentalizing here. Yes. Uh, in the grade school levels, we are, we are confirming hundreds of kids a year, in, in the, thousands in the diocese. 
But the approach we're taking, obviously, is not about sacramentalizing. It's not about catechizing. It's about evangelizing. I mean, when we speak to principals and chaplains, I typically tell them this. If they've heard of Father Cantalamesa, the, the preacher to the paper, papal household, I think he wrote somewhere, you know, Catholicism is like this, this heavy vestment. It's gold. It's filled with jewels. And, and it's, it's, it, it's substantial. And we, we, we put it, we throw it on these kids and they, they, can't, they can't sustain it. They can't hold it. They can't wear it. So that's, I mean, that's later, you know, in the third or in the fourth year, where we want to start to talk to a kid about the benefits of going to confession regularly. Um, you know, what does it mean to do adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament? This is not something, unfortunately, we can start with right now, because they don't know the basic tenets of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, born of a virgin, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. So we definitely are focusing on, you know, evangelizing more than sacramentalizing and catechizing. And I think... If I were to say to the priests and the pastors or whoever is listening the, uh, to this, you know, get yourself a, a, a youth pastor who knows the Lord and loves the Lord and has a prayerful, daily, intimate relationship with the Lord. Because if, if we don't have that, we, we have no business being on the mission field or in, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if, that, if you have that, let's focus on, unfortunately, in this day and age, let's focus on evangelizing first, catechizing and sacramentalizing second. I think that's maybe a key point that we've learned that that may be helpful to your listeners. Dominic, my I'm, my own story. Uh, I, I came out of the Catholic school system, and and my experience of the Catholic school system through grade school and high school was that I left becoming uh, and became an, an incredibly strong uh, catechized atheist. Uh, like I was, <laughs> I was, I knew yeah. all about the, the yeah. faith, and I knew it was yeah. a bunch of BS. Uh, and yeah. I'd spent years studying and being taught in Catholic high school, in Catholic grade. School, school, all about our faith. And you know what? Me and, and every one of my peers just about, at least it certainly felt like 100% of my peers didn't believe in any of this nonsense. Right. But right. we had to study it in order to pass. And we confirm your unbelief. Yeah, you sacramentalized the crap out of me. Because, yeah, yeah and yeah. we and we kind of, uh, yeah. not only do we, and I, I have this light, I like, well, it's kind of weird to quote your own book, but anyway, and that my section on, on, on sacraments, I, say, I make this point that, that not only do I know that you don't believe this, I know that you know that I know. Right. And not only that, but you know that I know that you know that I know that you know that I know. And, mm-hmm. it, and it just confirms that, well, they know I think there's a load of rubbish and we're going through the motions anyway. So that just confirms even more that this that this is a load of rubbish. Yeah, well, you're emphasizing the ritual and, and not the belief. I mean, that, that's that's what I learned is, okay, the ritual is important to a whole lot of people. That's very nice. You know, we have rituals at my, my family house as well. You know, we have and, supper together. here's the thing. Do, it's one it, thing in Canada. Like in, in Canada, you have different um, funding models based on what province, but on in, in Ontario, it's completely funded by the government. So there's there's in a sense here's a mission field that we have that we have some degree of accessibility uh, to uh, and and it doesn't cost us it's really quite remarkable in one sense but in the United States depending on where you go in a diocese there are Catholic schools that are producing the same kind of non-fruit mm-hmm. where something like a considerable part of the budget is actually carried by mm-hmm. the parish. All the tuitions are subsidized by, by parishioners. And it really, you know, not only are you investing a huge resource into something that's not, that's not be- bearing fruit, 
but it, it, it shackles you. It, it limits your ability to invest in any other kind of model or any other attempt to evangelize adults. It's very, very frustrating. And yet we, we seem to cling, like a lot of church leaders in the U.S. and, at, and in Canada continue to cling to this model as if it's, it's who we are. It's the of utmost importance. And what I don't think we fully grasp is, is that when we do it wrong, we're making things so much worse than if we had not bothered to try to begin with. Because what, what I learned as, as, yeah. as a Catholic yeah. student growing up in the Catholic school system, that you can still be Catholic and not believe in God. That's what I learned. Why? Because everyone else there was, mm-hmm. was Catholic and didn't believe in God, except for the religion teacher. Nobody much liked him. So, like, you know, the, the, we, what he we might actually, not have believed in God either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I, I think, you know, the, the very act, it's the guise of, 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 of Catholicism that we're putting onto these institutions. And, and we're pretending that that's what it means to be Catholic. And in doing so, at least in my school, my high school had 2,000 odd students. There's 2,000 of us in any given year learning that, oh, I can, I can I'm a Catholic. I'm a census Catholic. You know, I'll take the right box when the census form comes around, but I don't need to believe in Jesus because come on, like that's a, that's a step too far. Yeah. Right. Amen. Well, I think, right. I think it's interesting. Like what we've talked about the whole time is, is the way you, you have it set up to know, to love, to serve. Mm-hmm. The major, the vast majority of the people that were getting to serve in a lot of situations don't know and love. So what they're teaching is service first. They're teaching that the rest of that doesn't matter as long as we, as long as you have the job, as long as we're doing this, as long as you're doing that, it's fine. And I think if you, if you have people who are serving and should be leading who don't know and love, I mean, it just, well, let me ask you a question. You know, it said that, uh, for a lot of young people, you know, in a postmodern age, you know, a lot of people are suspicious of, of comprehensive truth claims. So they're, you know, everything's is my truth and your truth and truth is very subjective, but, uh, so approaching young people, you know, saying here's a worldview, you know, that's rooted in the truth is not necessarily going to work in many cases. But a lot of young people today have a desire. They desire to see the world, as, as most young people do at any age, to see the world be a better place. Mm-hmm. And so how, Dominic, in your experience, can helping young people to serve help them in, in turn come to know and love the Lord? I know you've been involved in some mission trips and taking. Yeah, young I was young just going to say specifically in, in respect to the the mission work that you've done. How how have you seen that be something that's helped uh, help lift these uh, youth up? Yeah, I mean, we could actually probably run a mission trip a year if we wanted to, um, uh, but but we don't. I, I feel like I need to have a group of kids that that genuinely know him, that genuinely love him, and that are ready to serve. And they're ready to serve. I mean, when we're going to uh, serve the people in Haiti or Mexico or wherever we're going to go, you know, they're going to see the face of Jesus Christ in these people we're serving. Mm. I I mean, I could literally fill a plane and take kids there because kids need things on their resumes. Uh, Kids want these types of experiences. I'm not interested in that, right? I'm interested (laughs) in in getting someone um, uh, to grow in love of Jesus and to grow in knowledge of Jesus. And, And now that's if we have that to start with and we're serving, we can do that. We, we see how the Lord, what the desires the Lord has put in our hearts. Um, I, I, one, of the re, one of the bigger reasons we do these mission trips, and I should say we do them with Renewal Ministries. Uh, Renewal Ministries, I think I, I said at the top of the show, I think is one of the, the game-changing ministries out there. I think one of the most important, most impactful ministries out there in North America and in the world today. Uh, Their mission leaders that we go with are are preachers, they're teachers, they're evangelists, they're apostles, they know the Word of God inside out and backwards, they know the catechism, 
they're, 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 they're very comfortable ministering to everybody in multiple different kinds of ways of ministry. They're, they're phenomenal people. So that's who we are going with. I myself am not leading the mission. We're just hooking up with Renewal. And, you know, what we're trying to do there is we, we, we don't, we want to get a kid, you know, outside of their comfort zone, mm. outside of their little safety box. This kid tells me they want to be a doctor. This kid tells me they want to be a lawyer. You know, so what we try to do in the mission field is try to find opportunities for these kids one way or another, whether we're in an orphanage or in a school or whether we're in a prison in Haiti or in the garbage dump of Mexico City. I, I, as a leader, I'm trying to find a way for this kid to, to learn whether or not that calling they're starting to sense mm -hmm. is really for them. That's what I want to try to do with these mission trips. I don't necessarily want to make missionaries, although we've had three kids now that have left those mission trips and have gone on to uh, two-year full commitments with Net Ministries here in Canada. Uh, we have a fourth one that's, uh, that's discerning and uh, uh, going next year. We have a kid who uh, should be a priest next year. He's just finished his internship. He's at St. Augustine's in Toronto. Uh, we've got all kinds of good fruit like that. Mm. But what I'm really interested in is not necessarily making missionaries. I, I kind of want to make Christian doctors, doctors who are going to be out there you know, well, they're going the to be community. missionaries. Uh, you're making the distinction between missionaries who go to a, a different country and yeah. people who live as missionary disciples in, yeah. in our present culture. That You want to make missionary disciples. I want to make missionary disciples. I, I tell you a quick story of these two girls on one of our mission trips to the Mexico City garbage dump. I knew they wanted to be doctors. Obviously, we get to know these kids. So I got them. Uh, Renewal Ministries brings a doctor uh, to, to, to the garbage dumps when we minister there. To, to, you know, just, and we bring a lot of medicine to try to figure out what they can do. In a, um, so I asked the, girl, the doctor if these girls could help. They did. Um, you know, again, pressure situation. Th maybe a hundred destitute people in a garbage dump lined mm -hmm. up waiting to, to talk to a doctor. Uh, and, you know, these, these young girls are taking their pulse and writing notes and fetching medicine for the doctors. You know, they were tested in a pressure situation, if you will and trained to look at the face of Jesus in these people. Uh, and it's a great blessing to me to know that both of those girls went on to be doctors in, 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 in the world today. And I know what kind of doctors they're going to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are doctors that are not going to be interested in euthanasia, not going to be interested in abortion, and they're going to fight for, for, for our, our values out there. And that's just a couple of quick examples, but that happens all the time. And that's what we're trying to do on these mission trips. And that's why, quite frankly, I, I don't want to go every year. I want to have the right set of kids that I know are on that next step, if you will, of becoming missionary disciples out there. Mm. Well, it, it, it comes back to the idea of not going through the motions. It, it comes back to the idea of that, that we're not just doing this because this is the thing that we have to keep doing. And so many parishes we see, whether it's a, a particular ministry they have or, or a program they're running where they just say, I guess we just have to keep running that thing. So uh, I, I, I like that idea of like, we're going to do this when it makes sense. I, I think too, it's, uh, it reminds me to, uh, uh, of my earlier experiences when I was a young priest uh, with going to World Youth Day. And it's funny because one yeah. of the, the, the second World Youth Day, I went on, Mike, you, you were on it and you weren't Catholic at that point. And right. because of World Youth Day, you, 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 were, you were eventually baptized. But... That's not, that wasn't very common in our experience. Like, like we set out originally in our diocese saying, let's bring as many young people as possible. And although the, the proper age was 18, we, we dipped it down to 16. Uh, we got a lot of young people. But I remember that first trip to Rome, like so many of these young people, they, did, they, 
they were they had some experience of church, but they were not evangelized. And I think for most of them, it was a spectacle. It was an event that yeah. they had fun with. They enjoyed it, but it didn't really it didn't really it didn't mm-hmm. bring about mm-hmm. high impact. And it was after doing that for a couple of years that our diocese changed its mind and said mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. we're actually going to we get much more fruitfulness in the long term if we take people who are on a discipleship journey and send yeah. them. The, the, the return on the investment was tenfold for people who are already on that journey as opposed to gathering a whole bunch of people and sending them to this big spectacle. I mean, God can work in any way. There's no, you can't put hard boundaries around how the Lord works, but for yeah. the most part, that's what we experienced. There, there was a, I mean, there were a huge number of people. Like for, for me, it was an incredible experience. It was, it was Father Lloyd O'Neill saying, you come to our church. I know you're not Catholic yet, but I would like you to go and experience this because I think it'll yeah. change your life. And he was right. It's it. Uh, but I know so many people that I went with that were like free trip to Toronto. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was an extraordinarily fun experience, but there were a lot of people who, who did, as you said, Dominic of this will look good. This will be fun. This is something I can do. And, and so, um, you know, for a lot of them, it was, it was just another trip to Toronto where we happened to go by a, and sleep in a gym and, and go on a train. But I said, we, we, we want to get these kids to experience, know, love, and serve. And, and part of that love and that knowing is to ex- experience him. You know, I was taken at the DR-16, uh, so many amazing testimonies. But there was a consistent theme in all those testimonies. On the holy, and I can't speak intelligently or experientially about Alpha, but it was that Holy Spirit weekend. Mm-hmm where they felt the touch or they felt the vibration or somebody prayed for them and they had the goosebumps and they, they had an experience or they heard a word from the Lord. They had the experience. We want these kids to experience the Lord, not necessarily a, a fun trip yeah. or, or even a fun night at youth ministry. Uh, when we get these kids in, we're going to do some speaking, we're going to do some teaching. One of the things we want to end all our programs with, uh, other than obviously when you're speaking to uh, hundreds of high school kids, is one-on-one prayer. Because we want these kids mm-hmm. to experience the touch of the Lord. Yes. And this is definitely not happening in the school setting, <laughs> uh, obviously. Right? <laughs> um, and, and you know what, quite frankly, it's not even happening in Mass, although there's some, some, some parishes where we can do those types of things after Mass, um, yes. you know, for example. But we need to have that. We need to have that experience of God uh, for these kids to grow, for them to grow in love of Him and to grow in knowledge. Because as you grow in love of Him, you grow in knowledge of Him. And obviously that intimacy grows. Dominic, what would you say to a pastor or parish leaders who don't have a Dominic and his wife in their pews? You know, you experienced a particular calling. You were tuned in. You were listening, you know, and you heard. Right. But what what about other pastors and leaders who might be listening in today? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, I I, I think we obviously need youth ministers in these churches, uh, even here in a fairly wealthy part of Canada and Ontario. uh, Quite a few parishes do not pay for youth ministry. Um, um, I I actually do it on a volunteer basis because I'm called to do this and I love to do this and I don't need to get paid at this point in time in my life. So, but you know, a lot of churches don't have the funding. They don't hire. Um, So you know, let, let's, let's try to re- get the money to get a youth minister together for sure. And, and, and if we're going to do that, like I said earlier, let's interview and let's make sure we get someone who knows the Lord and has an intimate, personal, conversational, daily relationship with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, again, the service is just going to end up petering out. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would say first. I think I would say secondly is, uh, as we've talked about, 
let's focus on evangelizing, not sacramentalizing right now, or um, you know, um, catechizing, even though it's it's necessary. And I, I think a couple of other quick things I would mention here, for, if I was going to give some tips, is we do not actually, Father, focus on the social issues. Um, it, they're complicated. If I'm going to focus on a social issue, and I would say to the priests and the pastors and the ministers out there, yeah, you know, sometimes something happens in the news, and we need to address that issue about abortion. And that one, believe it or not, is a lot easier to talk about. When you start getting into same-sex attractions and, and those types of issues of homosexuality or whatever, when these kids have someone next to, right next to them in their locker who's struggling with same-sex attraction, um, you know, they're playing with sports with somebody who is, they have tons of friends with this, well, not tons, but they have friends with, with these um, challenges. It's a non-starter. Yep. I mean, we've tried. Yep. It's a non-starter. So we stay away, with it, stay away from that stuff. We believe that if they learn the Word of God, yep. if they learn how to get an intimate relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, that will take care of itself. Yep. Um, so th- those would be the things I would suggest to, to, to some of your listeners there. So uh, we talk all the time about, about vision, and we talk all the time about what's yep. our vision for yep. our future. Dominic, in in the work that you're doing, whether yeah. it's whether it's work with renewal, whether it's work with sold out, or whether it's it's all the opportunities that you have, what's your vision for what the future of of youth ministry and and mm-hmm. having youth come to know God? What's what's it look like for you? You know, I I'm glad you asked that question because uh, we've tried a couple of things, and one thing I I, I feel like we still want to be able to accomplish is this. Um, I mentioned that three uh, legged stool: church, home. And, and school, and, and really that the, the, those, those legs in, in that stool are, are weakened from a spiritual perspective, from a faith perspective. Um, uh, you know, so what, 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 one of the ways I think we can strengthen them and, and try to do home and church at the same time is, is in my mind the dream I have, the vision I have, and I would love to, you know, go back and forth and have a discussion on this because maybe I don't have it completely right. Um, but that is that in the same place, at the same time, on the same day, with, with the same theme, we have um, men's ministry, uh, women's ministry, and youth ministry at the same time. Uh, I, 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 want, I see youth ministry really more as a family ministry now. And, and, I, and, and it's hard when I send a kid out to home and the kid's all excited and the parents just shut them right down. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that's happened so many times that it, it just so bothersome to me. So what, what we want to try to do is get that to happen on the same time, on the same teams. Now we're all in the car. We're going home. We're talking about that message. Obviously, you can't do that in a 15-minute homily, especially when we're running four, three, four masses in the morning. We've got to empty the parking lots, right, so the next mass can come in. And I think maybe the best time to do something like that is, is right after mass, right before mass. You know, uh, earlier in our, in our faith journal, we were involved with a lot of evangelical organizations or, or churches, I should say, and they're there for two hours. You know, they're there for two hours. They're staying. If they're not there for two hours in the morning, they're definitely going on a Wednesday night as a family. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I want to try to do that. We have tried it at this parish, pastor change, et cetera. You know, so we had to kind of abandon that. But that, that's kind of what I see for me. The vision of the future of youth ministry is a little bit more of a family ministry and getting them all together at the same time. Um, same theme, different kind of teachings, but same theme, so we're all on the same page when we get home that night. And strengthen the home, strengthen the youth, strengthen the men, strengthen the women, and, and kind of take it from there. Yeah, I, I just find it really, I mean, 
you know, you have this underlying philosophy of, of what you do and how you do it to know, to love, to serve. And I think we run into the exact same problem over and over again, which is if you don't do the first two, uh, it, it doesn't matter if, if, if I, if you come, if, if my son comes home from, from yeah. mass or from a, a family fun night at our church and he says, we learned about this. And I go, okay, sure. Great. Over there. Fine. Um, you know, my, my daughter has recently, I was telling father James this the other day, my daughter's taken a keen interest in the very specifics of theology and, and understanding mm-hmm. she's five. And some of the questions are questions I've never even considered, but it's been really fun to be engaged and actually have those conversations. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think bringing all those things together, it's true. If, if you don't strengthen all of them, I mean, y- you need those three legs. Uh, if you have two strong ones and, and one that breaks, you're, you're on the, the ground. I, th- I think, too, you, you've actually put, put your finger on a couple of key principles in the divine renovation model. Obviously, the primacy of evangelization is one of our three keys that, that drives everything else. And so what you're describing about putting the main focus on evangelization, that's what we do, not just with teens, but we do it with kids. We do it with adults. It, it actually colors everything we do in the parish. And another principle is that faith formation is we try to do it uh, oftentimes family based. So yeah. you know, it, it can be hit or miss sometimes with the specifics of how we do it. But that's, that's definitely a driving principle of, of, of our model. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think uh, first off, Dominic, I want to thank you very much for coming and joining us today. This was a wonderful conversation. And uh, so thank you very much. And and thank you for what you're doing and what you're modeling for for the the pastors and parishes that that watch this and listen to this that they're able to understand that there are ways to do this that work and actually bear fruit. So so first off, thank you so much for that help. Uh, um, thank you. And the the last thing before we leave is is there any parting words you have? Is there something that you want to to say to the people listening of of what uh, what you want to share with them with your, 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 your on the spotlight for the end of it. So yeah. uh, can I, can I do a shameless plug? You can absolutely do a shameless plug. All right. So I, I said a couple of times in this talk that, you know, we we're, we're dealing with kids that are believing a lot of lies about themselves and the negative emotions and the negative behaviors and the, the, the destiny destroying kind of uh, results of that. Uh, we have built an app um, between myself and my wife. It's called get intact. One word. And that app is to, to lead people through a prayerful uh, process of, of kind of trying to figure out where they're stuck in their lives, uh, why they have repetitive sin, why some of this stuff is happening to them, and basically taking them to the place where, hey, you know, you believe in things about yourselves in your hearts that are just not true, probably coming from events in your past. Um, we need to undo that. Jesus wants to undo that. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to set the captives free. So we've built what we believe is a very prayerful process. Uh, Father, Father James is aware of the Unbound process, so very similar to that. Uh, just built a little bit more to work in an app form. Um, that's available on the App Store and Google Play. It's called Get Intact. Um, and, and hopefully that can help some of your listeners get untangled, get unstuck, and get, get, get intact. And if they want to get a hold of me, they can reach me at info at getintact.com. Uh, also, one, one quick thing. Uh, if anyone was interested in finding out more about Renewal Ministries mission trips, what yes. would you suggest they do? RenewalMinistries.net. Uh, all of the different countries that Renewal Ministries serves, I think we're probably up to about 40 or 50 countries right now, are listed. The upcoming mission trips are listed. Um, so you can get all the information there. They're more than willing to take people on these mission trips. They're life-changing experiences, especially for an adult, and especially for an adult who is at that point of maturity in their 
in their spirituality or in their faith. Um, so yeah, renewalministries.net. I, I think that's fantastic. I think there's so many wonderful things that you've given us that, uh, that parishioners and pastors can use uh, to help bring their parishes from maintenance to mission. And we want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And uh, we hope that you take to heart some of the ideas that we have here of, of the way that we bear fruit uh, through youth ministry and through mission work. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. I hope you guys send me one of those uh, coffee cups there. They look pretty cool. <laughs> I think we can sort that out for you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. By joining the Divine Renovation Network, you'll be connected with priests and parishes across the whole world. You'll gain access to our ever-growing library of video resources, as well as exclusive access to live discussions, courses, and conference opportunities. Visit divinerenovation.tv for more details. Thank you.